Hi, and welcome back to another edition of NFL Game Time Podcast with your hosts. I'm Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai Dweck. So just this morning, we learned Urban Meyer officially out as the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. We're going to probably talk about that more when we talk about the Jaguars as a whole in their upcoming matchup against the Houston Texans. We're getting to the final stretch, though. Four weeks remain. Both the AFC and NFC all clumped up right now, which I think makes it so exciting for us because when was the last time that we had such parity, not just in one conference, but in both conferences at the same time? I think you have to go back a few years. So we'll be breaking down all that and more. So, Shy, let's get right into it because it's game, game time. time. So we'll start. I mean, rarely do you have the most exciting game on Thursday night. I don't know how Fox got this game on Thursday Night Football, but they somehow did, and good for them. The Kansas City Chiefs traveling to L.A. to take on the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm, I think we're all just lucky that we get to see Mahomes versus Herbert twice a year for potentially the next decade plus. Remember, I believe it was week three earlier this year when the Chiefs were in their skid. Chargers went into Kansas City and pulled off the upset. Chiefs, they're starting to get back on track. I think the offense, obviously, last week put up putting up nearly 50 points with, you know, a lot of their skill players got taken out early. It was an impressive and dominant win. But I really think that, and I don't know if it'll come to fruition tonight, but that defense for the Chiefs has really stepped up when this offense has taken a step back. I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. I know we have seen some inconsistencies from that offense this year, but I do think they're starting to get back on track. I think we're gonna. I think Mahomes, you know, is gonna have a big game. This Chargers secondary, not one of the best in the NFL. You look at the Chargers. Rashawn Slater is out, and I think you know that choose pass rush. Ever since they moved Chris Jones back to the interior, he's been a force. They traded Mel. They traded for Melvin Ingram from your Pittsburgh Steelers. He's made a really nice impact on that defensive line. So I really like just the the overall Chiefs team and the way that defense is playing. And I think this offense is starting to pick up uh, from where they left off last year. I, I like the Chiefs to get a win, but this is going to be such a great game. It's two, it's really arguably the two most talented, not exactly the best, but when we talk about arm talent and raw ability, it really doesn't get much better than Mahomes versus Herbert. You're absolutely right, Alex. This is going to be uh, a real doozy on Thursday night. I, this game is really hard for me to pick because the Chiefs, they seem to be coming into their own right at the right Offensively, time. Offensively, that defense though has really stepped up They've throughout been the, the last like three or four weeks for sure. You know, really, really, um, the pass rush is coming together. They're playing better in the secondary because at the beginning of the year, they just seem sl- uh, sluggish. And the reality is they are playing higher than their talent level. We've talked about, you know, other units like the Bengals offensive line, for example, playing much better than what what they are on paper. And we've also had conversations, is that sustainable? And that's where I get a little bit concerned with Kansas City, Alex, because this offense hasn't been consistent all year. They've had a couple of nice games recently, but can they continue? I think they can, but that's a question. It's a question mark. Defensively, because that's not where their talent lies on paper, there's always that question, can they continue that? And into the postseason where they, as, as they you know, wear on, they've had some difficulties there, Alex. 
Steve, so. Steve Spagnuolo, their defensive coordinator, does tend to throw a lot of complex schemes at you. And a lot of times it takes up to, you know, more than half a season, sometimes a full season, before guys really start, you know, to pick it up. I think we really saw that with the 2007 Giants team that ultimately won the Super Bowl. And I think we're seeing it with this team, with this Chiefs team, to a similar degree that start off slow, you know, a lot of information's thrown at you, you're not really sure where where should I be, what's my assignment. But then once you have it down, all of a sudden, you know, because of how complex things are, it makes it really, really difficult on opposing offenses. I think we're really starting to see all that come together. And I kind of mentioned it already. Chris Jones, they started him on out on the edge, which he never really played that position for. And although as, you know, outsiders, as fans, we could say, oh, that's, you know, not a big change. It is in the NFL. You're going against offensive tackles instead of, you know, offensive guards. It's just in terms of, you know, stunts you run and some of your pass rush moves, that differs depending on where you play. Chris Jones just seems so much more comfortable. And ever since they moved him in onto the interior, he's playing just as well as maybe any other defensive tackle. And I even think that includes Aaron Donald. Yeah, he's, and I'm not, I'm not saying Chris Jones is better than Aaron Donald, but I think since that transition was made, he's playing. I think arguably just as well. Maybe the the stats might not always back that up, but just the impact he's making as he also helps other guys, you know, in their one on one situations. The reality is, is Chris Jones is a guy that can eat up blocks and push the pile, and that's frankly his body type too. He's a bigger guy, and although he's a versatile, very very athletic. That's better with abusing got centers, slower guards in the interior than matching up against tackles that are quicker, going to be able to combat that easier. So I think that's it was a really smart move to move him back inside. And, and I think that's where he's comfortable. That's where he's known to be. And he can focus on filling that role and leading this defense rather than you know having to fill an, a, a new spot where he's really not as comfortable. Now, in terms of picking this game, Alex, I've yet to reveal my pick. I'm actually going to go with the Chargers to get a sweep here of Kansas City. Um, I think it's really a close game. I think um, I, I don't have a lot of heavy hitters to throw back at you, but I think I'm more confident in Justin Herbert right now than Patrick Mahomes. I think it's close, and I just think I'm... I'm neither of these offenses has been particularly consistent, but I've liked more what I've seen this year, especially at home from the Chargers offensively, and I think that's going to be enough for them. And we've seen Justin Herbert, you know, be able to pick apart this Chiefs defense. It's gotten better, but I think at home, I know they're missing Rashawn Slater, but I think that Justin Herbert is going to be able to get it done. I think it's going to come down to which secondary can force that turnover or get that key pass breakup, because I do think you look at how these teams are constructed, and there's some nice players in each of the secondaries, Chris Harris for the Chargers, Tyron Matthew for the Chiefs. But I do think you know when we're ranking strongest and weakest positions, you look at that secondary and specifically cornerback, I think that's really where these two teams are lacking. So which secondary, which cornerback room can step up, make that momentum-shifting play? And if the Chargers do win this game, as you alluded to, that means they would have swept the Kansas City Chiefs meaning they would own the tiebreaker over KC. And again, if they win tonight, that would put both teams at 9-5. and five. And with the tiebreaker going to the Chargers, the Chargers 
control their own destiny. Would control their own destiny in their division. And all of a sudden, they would be right up there with the Titans and the Patriots in terms of potentially even getting that one seed. Now, I am picking the Chiefs, so I don't think that'll happen. But I do think whether they win the division or not, the Chargers will be a tough out in the playoffs. Absolutely. I think we were both so high on them because... Herbert was my MVP pick, if you remember, in the preseason. Um, And I think... You know, for the most part, they've delivered that end of the bargain. I think this They've defense, been a little more con- inconsistent than I would have thought. Right. But I think defensively is where we're really uh, seeing them lack. I thought this could have been a top 10 unit coming in. Uh, Joey Bosa's played very well. Right. But again, it's that second year that's been lacking. Asante Samuel has been in and out of the lineup. But when he's been in, he's been a real presence for them. Probably being their CB1, uh, as opposed to Chris Harris, who's had Chris Harris, struggles. And Harris has also, he's worked better in the slot. And, you know, they like to move Tyreek Hill around, the Chiefs do. We'll see if Hill or if Harris travels with Hill or, or if he uh, stays inside, covers Kelsey. So I'll be interested to see what Chris Harris's role is in this game, where you really have two premier weapons in Kelsey and Hill. Absolutely. I mean, we're both going different directions here. It's really... It, I think we really just both hope this is a game that lives up to the hype because we have really high expectations just because of how talented these two quarterbacks and these two offenses are. Absolutely. So we have some Saturday football this week. Is that That's always fun. You get some little Saturday football before, obviously, the big Sunday slate. And we'll start with a game that... My, at least my view has completely changed, and I think a lot of people's view of this game has completely changed over the last 48 hours, 24 to 48 hours. And that's the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Cleveland Browns or whatever is left of the Cleveland Browns with, uh, it seems like half their team, especially their offense, is on is all on the COVID list. I was going to pick Cleveland, and I still think Case Keenum can hold his own to an extent. I'm going to go, I'll pick Vegas, but even with Keenum and even with all these Browns players out with COVID, I still think the Browns have a fair, have a decent shot to possibly, up, you know, pull the upset despite all what, with what they're going through. Nick Chubb is still there. I like Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think he's an underrated receiver in this league. For me, where it really starts to hurt is this offensive line. I believe Wyatt Teller is going to be out with COVID. Jedrick Wills is out with COVID. And remember, just a few weeks ago, Jack Conklin had the elbow injury against Baltimore. He's out. So this Browns offensive line, which is really one of the best in the NFL when healthy, completely banged up with injuries, that's going to be tough to make up when you do have you know a backup quarterback in there, when you know Kareem Hunt's also out with an injury. Jarvis Landry's out with COVID. Austin Hooper's out with COVID. So you look at all these guys who are either out with COVID or due to injury, it's just a lot to make up. I know the Raiders had an embarrassing loss last week to the Chiefs. And they lost 48-9, to and that's kind of unacceptable in the NFL to lose a game by that much. I do think the Raiders bounce back, and with a Browns team that's so ravaged by COVID cases and injuries, I do think I'll give the Raiders a slight edge I get the, and get the win. With that being said, I don't think the Raiders are going to come in and dominate Cleveland. No, I don't think they will either. I mean, I was going to pick the Raiders either way. And that's where we disagree. Right. I think the... This game is in Cleveland, and I do think that I do think that matters. It does it matter. The, the outdoor elements versus the dome stadium that Vegas is used to playing in. I think it does matter, but I think this Raiders team, after really getting humbled uh, 
last week by a, by a Chiefs team that's heating up. They want to come in and 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 stay in it. This is a game that the Raiders frankly need to win to have the chance to stay in the AFC playoff picture. It's a must have. Yeah. I mean, you look at the standings, and I haven't pulled up. They're six and seven. Meanwhile, Cleveland seven and six, Indy seven and six, Buffalo seven and six. You you all these seven and six, six and seven teams. If you can get to seven and seven, yeah, you'll need some help. But if you drop the six and eight, Alex, yeah, that's a see, tough, tough. You're pretty you're pretty much already looking for your next head coach. If if the Raiders lose this game, drop to six and eight, lose the tiebreaker over Cleveland, who then they would be eight and six. You're essentially looking towards next year and looking at who you, who the next head coach of this organization will be. Right, and and I think that's one of the reasons I think you know teams bring their full full force, especially when you have a veteran quarterback like Derek Carr. He knows what situation he's in. He's got to win this game. And frankly, even if Baker Mayfield was playing, I trust Derek Carr much more. Baker Mayfield not a hundred percent right now. You can see it, and with all these offensive linemen out with COVID as well, I mean. You gotta think that a guy in Max Crosby who's having a great season can have a day. And Yannick Ngakwe's also, you know, made his presence felt along that defensive line. Raiders definitely have talent at the edge rusher position. And again, not you know, Keenum not the most mobile, won't have the same protection or weapons that he normally would if it was just Mayfield who was out. They won a game against Denver with Keenum, but obviously Keenum had a lot more of his full uh, full weapons and offensive linemen at that time. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 this game is huge for playoff implications because... Because Cleveland, <clears throat> you look at Cleveland, they're 7-6. and six. Right now they're on the outside looking in, but if they win, you know, I don't... I, we'll get to the Colts in a little bit, but I don't love the Colts' chances this week. Cleveland wins this game, all of a sudden they see themselves in, in one of those uh, wild card spots. If they lose... All of a sudden, you're dropping further, further behind. Because it's also, yes, you know, you're seven and six and just on the outside looking in. But it's also, it's not like it's you and then everyone else. There's a lot of teams that I kind of said earlier are just clumped together. Yeah, and if also if we think about um, this AFC North, which has kind of been blown open by the Ravens' recent struggles, the Bengals' losses. It it it's I, if the Ravens lose and they play Green Bay, and again we'll get to all this later. And Cleveland wins. They're both eight and they're they'd be, uh, or I guess Baltimore. Yeah, they would both be eight and six, right? And I, and I would have to go into the tiebreakers, but they they split in terms of the division. So I'd have to. I think Baltimore has beaten Cleveland this year. No, but then Cleveland won. Oh, last Cleveland week. just won. So, so, so then they, then they split. Would have... They split. So right. it would go to uh, division, where obviously they're not done playing. I, I would assume they're not done playing division opponents. But Cleveland loses, they fall. You know, it, it depends on Pittsburgh's game. But they 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 could fall to the end of the AFC North standings, and they have they have probably they do not have the tiebreaker with Pittsburgh as it sits. And it's it, this game is huge for both teams, but I think the Raiders need it more. I think they're gonna want it more. I would have picked them anyway because of the quarterback situation. Um, but I think because how depleted uh, Cleveland is now, they they they've done it not with no head coach Kevin Stefanski, but. Um, I just like the Raiders here to beat it. So we're both going with the Raiders, although I would have gone with Cleveland had, you know, all these COVID absences not taken place. So now we go, second Saturday game. I mentioned the Colts. They're hosting the New England Patriots. Huge game for both. It's in Indianapolis, which I think favors the Colts slightly. I think not having to 
not having a play in the cold weather that New England brings this time of year will help Indianapolis. With that said, I am going with the New England Patriots. Right now, I think they might be the favorites in the AFC. Uh, They're obviously extremely well coached. They're playing just incredibly fundamentally sound football. You really look at this team, where are the holes? You could say they know I'm a number one receiver, but they've been able to you know, put up points anyway You know, without one. Offensive line is as strong as ever. Mac Jones is doing what's asked of him. And obviously, you look at that defense, yeah, they might not, you know, you look at, I mean, Judon has you know, been one of the best, I think, offseason moves, you know, this past offseason. He's been tremendous for New England. Where are the holes on this Patriots team? I don't know. I mean, you could look in the secondary and say after giving up Stephon Gilmore, maybe their cornerback. After, I mean, they have, and J.C. Jackson's playing very well. And you you could say something about the depth, but, you know, Jalen Mills has been, you know, a solid depth corner. And again, you look at how well coached that secondary is. They're doing, they're making all the plays they need to make, and they're not, and, and they're not letting that big play haunt them. You're absolutely right. Um, I think both of these teams, the Patriots and the Colts, are going to try to smash each other in the mouth. That's what they're about. They want to run the ball. And I think it's going to come down to which team is winning the line of scrimmage on the other, on the defensive side of the ball. It will be a fun matchup. You know, Colts offensive line, Patriots defensive, defensive line. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna give. I'm gonna give the Patriots the edge just because of how they played coming into this game. And oh, by the way, you give Bill Belichick two weeks to prepare. Are you kidding? Um, I mean, giving him giving him one week to prepare is always you know scary. But now you're giving him two weeks. I don't think they'll be able to shut down Jonathan Taylor and completely just you know just take away that running game. But I do think they'll be able to limit him. I don't think he's gonna run for the 150 yards and three touchdowns that it feels like he's been averaging as of late. I don't think, I think they're going to limit him to potentially even under 100 yards. You know, maybe he does fall into the end zone, but now, now more of the pressure is going to be on Carson Wentz. And as we've seen, when Wentz has more on his shoulders, that sometimes leads to questionable decisions, which leads to turnovers, which the Patriots are extremely good at taking the ball away. They have ball hawks all along that defense. Right. I just trust this Patriots defense in general on frustrating this Colts offense. And I think it will be a close game. But at the end of the day, they're going to stack the box and play man coverage over the top and make Carson Wentz make difficult throws. They're good in the secondary. And I think Carson Wentz will make mistakes. I think he will uh, probably get hit. They're going to bring pressure at him. Um, that's what Bill Belichick does. He takes away your, your your greatest strength and tries to utilize your greatest weakness. And we saw the Bills don't have the best, uh, you know, trenches team. They don't run the ball a lot, and they're not very good against the run. But, I mean, the way New England absolutely punished them at the line of scrimmage was eye-opening. I don't care if the Bills aren't the most physical team in the NFL. You really punish and win at the point of attack the way New England did two weeks ago. I mean, that has to be a warning sign for the rest of the NFL. I think the Colts will be better than the Bills were, but I just don't think it'll be good enough. And I think, as kind of we just talked about, more pressure will be on Carson Wentz, which will lead to some questionable decisions and I think at least one, potentially multiple turnovers. And the Patriots know how to take advantage and score off those missed opportunities by their opponent. Yeah, the Patriots might have the the best offensive line in the league in terms of how they're playing right now. And I'd say probably better than the Colts in terms of just kind of 
the way that how they're playing. Um, but yeah, we're both going to Pats to win in Indianapolis, and we were just talking about the Bills, Alex. Well, last thing, just the Colts are seven and six, and right now are the six seed. If they mm-hmm. lose, they're seven and seven with Denver, Cleveland, Cincinnati, all right behind them. Yes, you know, obviously this is a tough game, and I'm not expecting the Colts to win. But if they do go ahead and lose this game, there's a very real chance that they're going to be behind three or four teams for that 6-7 seed. I think that's right. And if I do remember correctly, I, I do believe the Colts have a fairly difficult strength of schedule remaining. Um, while other teams like the Buffalo Bills are going to talk about in a second. Uh, they, well, after New England, they do have Arizona, and then they have Vegas and Jacksonville. Obviously, I don't want to look too far down the road, but I would probably think they would go 2-2. Two and two. But will that be good enough? Is that good enough when the AFC is so tightly knit together? Exactly. So you kind of mentioned it, and I love that the Bills are playing the Panthers because there's something I wanted to talk about regarding Josh Allen. Shall I ask you a question? Is it just me, or does it feel like one or two times a game I see Josh Allen flip over? I feel, I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating a little, but it almost feels like there's a, you know, when he runs, there's almost once or twice a game where I see him flip over in midair and go airborne. Yeah, I mean, he, he takes those hits. I and mean, they're, unne- like, I understand you, you're, it's heat of the moment, and you want to be aggressive, and you want to get that first down, but I, I think the Bills, Brian Dable, Sean McDermott, and then, of course, it ends with Josh Allen. He needs to do a better job of protecting himself. And I reference it, it's appropriate who they're playing because Cam Newton. When Josh Allen is the most physical player on your team, you've got a problem. That's all I want to say. I agree. And I think you also look at Buffalo. What do we think of Buffalo? Not, Not necessarily the Bills, but freezing cold, the snow, fans and, you know, fans barely wearing anything, jumping through tables that are lit on fire. And I just feel like the Bills, for a team that plays in Buffalo, in upstate New York, I don't think they reflect that. They absolutely They reflect don't. more of a finesse team. They reflect a team that, you know, if I didn't know better, I would have thought they play in a dome most of their games, not in the wintry weather that Buffalo brings. And that's a problem, especially come December and January. Yeah, the reality is you don't care if you're winning games, but when you're losing and, you know... And playing with the inconsistency we, that you are We talked about the Patriots. I mean, they got absolutely embarrassed at the line of scrimmage. You know, it I, wasn't a contest. I mean, it, and you, you can tell it's, it's, sitting, it's not sitting well with the players either. I think a member of the media asked, I believe it was Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, about that. And their response was, in my opinion, unnecessarily, uh, you know, the media member said, are you embarrassed? And they said, you know, they basically told the guy to... F off, and uh, but you know, it, in nicer terms. But I just nice. you know so clearly it's it's uh it's 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 hitting. It's pro- I mean, and we criticize the Chiefs so much. Take what the defense is giving you. Take what the defense is giving you. Don't always go for the shot. Run the ball. I the Bills deserve that same criticism. I don't think the Bills shouldn't get a pass the way the Chiefs didn't because teams are daring the Bills to run the ball because they know. They're saying, we believe you do not have the patience to run the ball 20-plus times a game. And they're right. And until the Bills show that, defenses are going to continue to play deep. 
continue to keep everything in front of them. The Bills need to show that they're okay with running the ball because when they start running the ball against Tampa, that's how things start to get rolling in their comeback in the second half. The Bills are not a good enough team right now to be one-dimensional. That's the reality of it. And no team is respecting them enough where they can get away with just, you know, throwing the ball every game, not taking a, not running the ball once, you know, in, in, in the first half, and, and just be, being taken seriously as an offense. It becomes predictable. And, you know, from a Steelers fan last year who just, they, we only threw the ball, we saw what happened. And, you know, I mean, there's some, they have the last seed right now in the AFC. I mean, you look at their schedule, they should go 3-1. and one. I am picking the Bills to beat the Panthers. Panthers, it's not great when you have, you know, a rotation at quarterback. I mean, they're rotating quarterbacks like an NBA team rotates, you know, point, point guards. guards. And yeah. that shouldn't be happening in the NFL. So, I think the Bills should win this game. It is at home, although they don't always play like, you know, they don't always play... The, the, they should they need to use the weather as an advantage and they almost use it as a disadvantage. I don't think that'll matter this game. They should win, but you know, can we see with Cam Newton. It wasn't that far. You know, it wasn't that long ago where he won the MVP. He was high, having the highest completion percentage of his career, and then because of all the unnecessary hits he took, we see what he's what he is now. And I'm not saying it'll happen to that extent for Josh Allen, but Josh Allen's their number one running back. And that's just not how you win games. And he's, he needs to protect himself more. He needs to slide more. He needs to get out of bounds more. And he needs, I think, just overall to run less. There's a reason why you have Devin Singletary and Matt Breda. Zach Moss isn't even active half these games. There's problems on the interior offensive line of Buffalo. And it's just a problem when your quarterback is also your number one running back and taking all these huge unnecessary hits. I, I, I couldn't that, agree more. That's how that's how you get your quarterback injured, and hopefully for his sake, there are no long-term implications. Yeah. I mean, that, we're, pick, we're both picking the Bills to win this game. But This is have... more of a concern for a potential playoff team because at the beginning of the year, a lot of people thought this was the AFC favorite. Yeah, I picked him to be in the Super Bowl. That is no longer my opinion. So that that's we're both going with Buffalo, but we do have greater concerns stretching beyond this game let's continue in the afc east the jets taking on the surging dolphins all of a sudden dolphins six and seven playing great football well-rounded football and i think they keep it rolling the jets are not a very good team we saw garner Minshew tear them up it seems like this you know they've been a get right game for quite a few teams this year i think the the dolphins it's at home. I, they're playing really good football. They have the momentum. I think they carry that momentum and get a win against their division rival. And all of a sudden, I'm not saying they'll make the playoffs because of all the teams ahead of them, but finishing strong the way they did, they're 7-7. Seven and seven. Who knows? Maybe they can even finish with a winning record. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit too little too late for Miami, but it's nice to see. It's something to build on. It's something to build on. You know, it makes you feel a lot better about Brian Flores. We were having talks about his seat warming up. After a start to this season, um, going into next year, and I think when if you finish the season strong and you know Tua playing better and better, you're in, in that defense coming along, improving, looking like the secondary that we were accustomed to seeing last season. It you can take a little bit of of comfort in that as as a Dolphins fan to to kind of go into next season and say, okay, 
you know, we need to fix things on that offensive line. We need to get depth defensively. Um, but knowing that you have the groundwork there, but that what you saw, you know, a season ago wasn't all for naught, I think is very important. And I, I'm also going to pick the Dolphins to, to win this game. So yeah, we're both going with the Dolphins. I think they can really build on what they're doing and potentially carry it out into the offseason. So NFC East now. We go to the east of the other conference, Washington football team, who they're right in the thick of the playoff race right now. They would finish as the seventh seed and get that last playoff spot. Taking on the Philadelphia Eagles, and although it might not be to the extent that the Cleveland Browns are dealing with, Washington also has their own COVID concerns. I think I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles here. I know it's probably not popular. I do like the way Washington has been playing. But this game's in Philly. Philly's, they've been a little inconsistent this year. But overall, Philly's had some promising games this year. Hurts has shown some promising games as well. I'm going to go with the Eagles at home to beat the Washington football team. An inexperienced quarterback in Taylor Heineke coming into a tough divisional environment. I'm going to pick, I'm going with the Eagles. I'm going to take Washington. Um, you know I'm as big a Jalen Hurts fan as any. Um, and I, it's going to be a close game. I'm picking Philly, but no, I mean, it's really close. a coin. Sure. It really is a coin flip. And keep in mind, Heineke also, he's he got injured last week against Dallas. It seems like he will play, but we also don't know how healthy or how much the injury will affect him coming into this game. Right. I think Taylor Heineke has coming to his own. I think teams know what they're going to get from him, and Washington knows what they're going to get from him. They're going to get a guy who's not afraid to take shots. They're going to get a guy who's not afraid to put his body on the line. And, yeah, he's not the most accurate quarterback, and he can't make all the throws. But the th- but, but he, he's going to try, and he is going – he can, you know, fit the ball in there from short yardage, and, and he can do enough to win you games. He's not as talented as Jalen Hurts is. But I think in terms of who's playing better football the last couple of weeks, it might be Taylor Heineke. What's interesting is both these teams are 6-7. and seven. If the Eagles win, obviously the, all of a sudden the Eagles will have the better record than Washington and put themselves in a position to you know, be in the playoffs. There are four weeks remaining. They still, this is the first time they faced each other. They faced, over the next four weeks, and really three weeks, they faced each other two times these two organizations, and they're both 6-7. and seven. The NFC, you know, we kind of know maybe the, co- the core five teams at the top, but after that, those last two wildcard spots, I mean, they're completely up for grabs. Yeah, and this is going to be really interesting to see, you know, what team is going to rise to the occasion, and can they kind of, you know, there's no, there's your rec- you are what your record says you are, but can you kind of, you know, come into those playoff teams and and look like it like you belong, even though your record's not. Sometimes there. it's all. Sometimes it's not always the best team, but the hottest team. Exactly. So let's go a game that we don't expect to be as competitive. Cardinals taking on the Detroit Lions. I like the Cardinals in this game. I think they're going to rebound after a tough loss to the Rams. Cardinals all of a sudden they're the three seed and they're only a game up on the Rams. So this division all of a sudden becomes a lot closer. I think the Cardinals really could have benefited from that bye week. I don't think they get it now with both the Buccaneers and Packers ahead of them in the standings. No DeAndre Hopkins. And I do applaud the Cardinals. I think it would have been really easy. You're having your best season in you know a few years. Kyler's really looking like an MVP candidate and what you hoped he would become when you drafted him. 
I think it could have been very easy for the Cardinals to have held Hopkins' surgery off until the offseason. Maybe he only misses two or three weeks. Instead, you get the surgery out of the way. You know, there can be no further risk of injury. Sometimes a guy goes out with one leg bad. He overcompensates. Oh, no, now the other leg is injured. So I do applaud the Cardinals for taking the right steps, the appropriate steps, and, you know, really putting the player's health first. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially when you look at the depth that Arizona's been able to utilize. Hopkins has not had a 100-yard receiving game this year. Kyler really loves to spread the ball out, which I think is incredible knowing that they're not relying on one guy. If you take one guy away, this Cardinals offense will still be able to thrive. Yeah, you've got uh, Christian Kirk. You've got Andy Isabella. You've AJ got Green AJ has, Green has been great. You know, I mean, he doesn't look like the same AJ Green he was maybe in 2014 or 2015, but he looks better than the AJ Green we saw the last two years. Yeah, and it almost seems like AJ Green is coming into like is developing into Kyler Murray's like security blanket in a way. Like I need a big play. I'm going to go to A.J. Green. And then you look at... He's the, making those catches. Right? Connor's obviously been playing incredible football, and now you're going to enter Chase Edmonds back into the mix. That really poses as a nice two-headed monster as well out of the back. Both have been doing well as pass catchers. I was going to say, both are great pass catchers, giving Kyler even more options. So I applaud the Connor's organization just you know taking care of you know, the player, putting his you know injury above everything in terms of getting him the treatment and surgery that he needs as now there's really no risk for any further injury so that if he comes back in the playoffs great if not he'll be 100 percent ready to go for next season right so i think we're both taking we're the both cardinals. picking the cardinals you know lions they've had you know they played competitive at times this year but with hopkins or no hopkins this offense is just going to be too much for detroit to handle yeah so now we get to the houston texans taking on the jacksonville jaguars led by Derek bevel at the beginning of the year, or really in January, so almost a year ago, when the Jaguars hired Urban Meyer, I thought there was a very real chance it could go down south very quickly. And I thought it was very possible that he'd be one and done. I was wrong. He didn't even last that one year. He lasted uh, 13 games, in which I think I saw he he had more championships in college than wins in the NFL so not a great tenure in the NFL for Urban Meyer to put it lately I think Shad Khan really had no choice but to let him go I saw a report this morning that coaches on the Jaguars were already lining up jobs elsewhere just to get away from Urban Meyer you know you want to attract players you want to attract coaches Urban Meyer was gonna you know just deter you know, the guys would just not not want to join Jacksonville. And for an organization that went for that AFC Championship year, really has been the laughing stock over the last decade. I think they have the pieces to potentially turn this around. I think they do have the franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. They have upwards of $70 million in cap space. You look at the picks they have. The Jaguars, I think, with the right people in leadership roles can get this thing turned around over the next two or three years. But Urban Meyer was just not that guy. Yeah, he's made them unrespectable. That's the reality of it. Everything's about him. He's the focus of that team. And that should never be the case. Um, There was just no control. I mean, I I remember this is even football-related. He was asked about uh, Andres Sisco, one of their new 
younger player safety, I believe, out of Syracuse. He's like, oh, you know, why is he gotten playing time? And Urban Meyer was like, oh, no, he's playing more and more. And it turned out, this, this was Sunday, he didn't play a single snap that day. So he wasn't even aware of personnel changes, of who's in, who's out. He wasn't even aware of what was going, going on right in front of him. And then you obviously get into the whole, you know, kicking Josh Lambeau, forcing guys to defend their resumes. It, it, it was just too much, and as I said, Khan had no choice. You can't... NFL players deserve and are entitled to, frankly, I, a certain level of respect. I don't even think... Play, I mean, we're not just talking about players, though. We're talking about coaches as well on that Jaguars team. They felt disrespected, and they felt Urban Meyer was embarrassing them and calling them out in front of the entire team. I totally agree with you, but I think we need to say players slash coaches because he was disrespecting yeah. his fellow coaches. And I think in college, it's one thing for you to do that. And I, and I think in the NFL, it's a whole, it's a whole other ballgame. The reality is Urban Meyer is a guy who was, to, was there at Ohio State to attract talent and to put together a good roster to win championships. This guy is not, in my opinion, a football coach. You know, to the traditional definition. And I think that shows when you bite off more than you can chew at the NFL level. So I'm gonna go pick I'm gonna pick the Houston Texans in this game. I know it's Davis Mills, but you know, I thought the Jet or you know, they did not the Texans lost big to Seattle, but when you really look at it, it was a close game in the fourth quarter and then Seattle kinda got, you know, two big touchdowns late that really made the score look worse than it did. I know if it were Terod Taylor, I think I would definitely pick Houston. So I do think it gets closer, but I'm going to pick Houston. I think I like – say what you want. I don't think they should fire David Culley. I don't know if he's going to be the long-term answer, but I think he's done enough to at least get another year. Uh, with what – you know, with all that Houston's been through, I think there could have been some worse outcomes. Uh, you know, you really haven't heard about them much in terms of, you know, this, you know, in terms of that organization, in terms of, you know, unorganized, it seems like they are on track. And this year is they've been, you know, competitive at times in some games. And, and Davis Mills, you know, has shown signs. I mean, he must beat the Patriots earlier in the year. So I'm going with the Houston Texans. You know, I'll take Trevor Lawrence. I'll take Derek Bevel as a breath of fresh air. And, you know, I, I could definitely see them rallying around that situation, rallying around each other in right. Jacksonville. That's what I'll bank on this week. Uh, but, yeah, I think David Culley's done a nice job considering that situation. We get to the Cowboys and Giants now. Giants still rolling with Mike Glennon. I mean, Daniel Jones might be out for the year with a neck injury that we still really don't know. And as I said, say what you want about Daniel Jones. He definitely has a lot of holes in his game. But he's also covered up a lot of holes on this Giants team. This, It's really – Giants fans are just counting down to the final days of Dave Gettleman. Cowboys, meanwhile, seem like a you know they're playing – complete football that offense has been sloppy at times i didn't love their output last week in washington i think that offense though plays better this week giants dealing with a lot their own few covid cases that have really hurt the secondary so i, I like dallas to win mike glenn's not really getting you anywhere maybe we see some jake from but again you know there's a reason why you know he was he wasn't picked until the fifth round and then buffalo moved on from him yeah, I'm going to pick the Cowboys as well. We saw what happened last week. Giants defense is what it is. 
And no, no Leonard Williams, I don't think, is playing this week. Like, they have right. some talent on that defense, but they're also really banged up. Yeah, it's just not going to be enough against the Cowboys. Uh, the Giants had decisions to make this offseason. Uh, I think those decisions are pretty much made in terms of who's gone and who's not. So, like, just I'll pose this question quickly. Joe Judge, going to probably get another year. I, what I, are your thoughts? I think, well, I don't, I'm not as anti-Judge as a lot of the fan base is. Uh, he showed great signs last year uh, as a potential head coach, and you look at how this team was constructed, it was not in a great way. At the same time, I don't want Joe Judge to be a reason to restrict you from hiring a potential GM candidate. I don't want you to be you know stuck on Judge, and all of a sudden now you didn't, did, you couldn't get your first or second choice as a GM candidate. So I don't think, you know, if if a GM wants Joe Judge fired and hires his own guy, I think you roll with the GM. At the same time, I don't think uh, Judge has been as bad as maybe others have perceived. I still have some hope, especially when you look at how this roster was constructed, no cap space now, prioritizing the wrong positions. So... Now, we talked about the Giants. Now we go to your Steelers taking on the Tennessee Titans. As I think I'm going to go with the Steelers here. It's in Pittsburgh. Tennessee, it feels like they've almost managed to get by some of these games. They won some nice games against good teams, you know, right after the Derrick Henry injury. And now it just seems like they're not playing great football. They're barely getting by. You know, losing to Houston was definitely memorable, to say the least. I just don't love the way the Titans are playing coming into this game. I you know, they won 20 to nothing against Jacksonville. So I guess good for them there. But I just don't love I just it just seems like Tennessee they're playing solid football, but you look at their record at 9 and 4, to me they just don't really look like this great 9 and 4 team that I think the same that I think the way we look at the Patriots or even the Chiefs. I know they. I know they beat the Chiefs early in the year, but I just don't get that same they're sense very at this point. Different team right now. I think the physicality is not there. Their identity is kind of up in the air in terms of who they are, what do they want to do. That defense looks more and more like the defense we thought it was going to be going into the season with a ton of holes in the secondary. I think I'm going to go Pittsburgh as well, and I don't usually do this. Um, you need to stop the. I mean, that performance against Minnesota in terms of it's the run defense, and was it makes horrendous. me question the coaching. Uh, to at the start of it, you know, I'm. That's a bigger conversation. Um, the Steelers, hopefully, you know, T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith leaving in the first quarter, I believe, of that game. They're hoping to get them back. Joe Hayden, who's missed four weeks, I believe, should. They're hoping that he comes back from his. Uh, I think it's a knee injury he's been struggling with. Uh, Robert Spillane as well. They're going to get some players back on defense. Um, and I think T.J. Waddle, yeah, I know he had the groin injury. I think that was mainly just because at the time they were getting blown out and they didn't want to risk further yeah. injury. I still think the Titans win this division. Pittsburgh, though, 6-6-1, six, six, and one, still right in the thick of it. This is a big game for them, though. I think they need they need every win they can get. Right. If they if they don't win this game, they essentially have to win out. Uh but and this, even I, and even then, with all the teams ahead of them, I don't know. Not, if, it might not I don't know enough. if that's enough. So I think this is, this is really a must-have, and it feels like a game that Mike Tomlin will win. It's, it's not like the biggest, biggest yet, but it's like getting there. It's like and you have wins. a tough schedule. I mean, you have Tennessee, yeah. the Chiefs, and then the Browns and Ravens. We'll see how healthy we have one the of Browns. the hardest strengths of schedules remaining. So this is really a must-have, unless we 
Because I'm, you could say for Zoom that you're probably going to lose to the Chiefs. So this right. is and a game then, you want to have. It depends at home. how healthy the Browns and Ravens are. Right. So we're both going. We're both going with Pittsburgh. Record wise, it's an upset. But games in Pittsburgh, Steelers typically play better at home. And I feel like the Titans, they're barely getting by against opponents that yeah. they should be winning and against. You have to take solace, and I think Ben Roethlisberger's performance last week, taking hits, getting really abused, left out to dry, and still willing his team back in it. Um, it's his last year, but he's he's playing, uh, you know, high level football. Now, I mean, this is a huge game for the week. Bengals at seven and six, taking on the Broncos at seven and six. Whoever wins this game gets the tiebreaker. That's a huge tiebreaker with the winner being eight and six and the loser being seven and seven. I'm gonna go with Cincinnati. It, this is so close for me. I really, it's a coin flip. I could go either way. It's definitely gonna be tough with the Bengals traveling to Denver. I definitely think that plays in Denver's favor. I'm gonna give the slight edge to Cincinnati, and I think a big reason why is they did not play well for three quarters last week, and yet there they stood, down 14 points, and Joe Burrow willed his team coming back. They ultimately lost in overtime. But I really like what I saw that as bad as the Bengals offense played in those first three quarters, they were still in it and they were able to turn on that switch, flip that switch and get back in it and ultimately force the game into overtime. Both these teams, I feel like they have a great performance and then a poor performance. I feel like both these teams have been pretty in- inconsistent. And again, in a close game, I know we talked about the biggest issue at you know for Denver being a quarterback. I just think with that Big advantage going to Cincinnati with Burrow at QB. I think that makes a difference because I expect this to be a close game late. This is a really tough game for me to pick because I think Cincinnati is a better team. But I'm going to pick Denver. I think it's at home. I like the way they've been playing. That defense has been better and better the last next couple the last Trey couple Hendrickson weeks. has for Cincinnati has been incredible. He's though. been great, but the, showing that last season was not a fluke in New Orleans. But this Broncos offensive line has also looked good recently as well. I know they just beat the Lions, uh, which is obviously not a great. Feat. Well, they beat them in convincing fashion. In convincing fashion, which is what you expect. Um, Teddy Bridgewater's looked good recently. I think it's tough to play at mile high. That altitude can really affect things. I like Cincinnati, but I'm just going to pick the home team here. I think the Broncos you know, may be a little bit more consistent right now. I mean, and I, this is a huge game because with potentially the Colts losing to New England, 8-6, and six, and all of a sudden you, you could be in the playoffs with Cleveland doing all of their COVID cases. The winner of this game could be in the playoffs by the end of the week, and you look at how things are turning out, there's a very good chance that happens. Also, if Baltimore if Baltimore loses and Cincinnati wins, Cincinnati all of a sudden is actually ahead in the division. It's exactly right. This is a huge game for the Bengals, and I really do think that Cincinnati can make a deep playoff run. It's about just putting those pieces together for them. So let's go now. Falcons taking on the 49ers. I like the 49ers in this game. They're seven and six. They like poised to get that six seed to get one of those final two wild card spots. They're playing great football. I know they blew that game against Cincinnati. At the same time, Jimmy Garoppolo had essentially two game winning drives. Just one of them was a missed field goal, so it didn't really win the game. But Garoppolo showed a lot that even after the comeback by Cincinnati, still held his head up, head up high, and showed that he can drive his team down the field in the closing minutes of both regulation and then again in overtime. 
And I think that was the biggest question. This offensive line for the 49ers has been playing well. I think the defense is playing not great, They're playing but better. better. The yeah, defense is playing better. And that was one of my concerns with Cincinnati is they they're de- they were not really able to capitalize on a Niners defense that has struggled a lot this season. That concerns me against Denver. Right. And we know Atlanta's inconsistencies on offense. We don't. I don't know if they'll be able to take advantage of a depleted 49ers secondary. So right. that, that secondary is playing better. Nick Bosa is trying to, you know, is making a prime, is in prime position to potentially steal that comeback player of the year away from Dak Prescott. So I love how he's playing right now. This game's also at home in San Francisco. The Niners should take care of business and really put themselves in a tremendous position heading into the final few weeks to get, to make, you know, to secure that playoff spot. Yeah, I, I think the Niners are playing well right now. It's about running the ball and uh, making Jimmy Garoppolo throw, you know, routinely and often to George Kittle. Yeah, I mean, Kittle, ever since he came back from injury, he's playing, like, by far the best tight end in football. Yeah, I mean, he, right. he looks like, you know, prime Kittle, Kittle really without all the injuries that, you know, how much would that hinder him? Right now, he's a full go, and he nothing's holding him back. The trust that they have right now is is really top-notch. He knows where he's going to be. He's putting the ball right where he can get it. It's a great connection. And Debo Samuel also, I mean, they're just finding so many creative ways to get the ball in his hands as well. So now Packers taking on the Ravens. Hopefully Lamar Jackson plays. I think if he plays, this game will be a really good competitive game. It's in Baltimore, which I think will make life a little more difficult on Green Bay because I do think playing in Baltimore is a tough place to play. With that being said, in terms of weather, it's not going to affect Green Bay. I mean, they play in Green Bay. They play in Wisconsin. And, you know, sometimes you know it's the frozen tundra when it starts to really get bad in December and January. Aaron Rodgers is playing really like he did last year, and that's at an MVP level. It seems like it's him and Tom Brady for that MVP. Packers right now, I think, are potentially the most complete team in the NFC. Obviously, Bucks have Brady, which is a whole different conversation. But, I mean, the Packers look primed to get potentially get that one seed in the NFC for the second year in a row. Is you know, I love the way they're playing coming into this game. Is they're playing like one of the best teams in the NFL. I think that's right, and I just I don't see how Aaron Rodgers loses this game, especially if there's no Lamar Jackson. Well, especially if there's no Lamar Jackson, Green Bay might take care of business you, pretty is you, pretty easily. Because yeah. uh, you look in the secondary, no Marlon Humphrey, no it's Marcus so, Peters. Yeah, that defense has just taken so many hits to the point where you have John Harbaugh basically saying, "Yeah, I had to go for two against Pittsburgh because I didn't feel confident who I had in the secondary." When your head coach goes out and in, in front of the media and says, "We're so depleted to the fact that." I don't have confidence to put our defense on the field again. I mean, that, that, and, and they've gotten more injured since then, Alex. Well, uh, you also look at Green Bay, and they're not completely healthy either. No Zadarius Smith, no David Bakhtiari, no Jair Alexander, and they're still playing at an elite level all across the board. I mean, imagine if they can get at least two of those guys back. Look how dangerous they can really become. I think, I think that's right. So we're both going with the Packers to, to beat the Ravens, uh, who are really struggling with injury. Now let's go to a NFC West matchup between Seattle Seahawks traveling to the LA Rams. This is going to be an interesting game, Alex. Seattle's playing better, so I think there's definitely potential to make this a game. I think the Rams kind of got that monkey off their backs last week uh, with their win against the Cardinals because I think they had they had one win all year against a team with a winning record at that point. 
and it was against um, it was against the Bucks all the way back in week three. So they had really gone from week three up until last week with no wins against teams with a winning record at that point in time. So I think kind of getting that monkey off their backs, knowing that that narrative has now been put to bed, I think would do a lot, you know, for that confidence level. Being able to get that huge road division win, you know, Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford, really all these big, you know, acquisitions that the Rams have made over the years really coming together, and they didn't even have Jalen Ramsey. And, they, you know, the Cardinals offense definitely played okay, but the Cardinals offense at the same time didn't look as explosive as it has in the past. And, again, the Rams did that with no Jalen Ramsey. Potentially they get Ramsey back this week. Seattle, I kind of talked about it when they played the Texans. I, I, they end up winning by, I believe, 20, but there was a time in the fourth quarter where I think it was like 19-13 against the Texans team that – Seattle really probably should have won big from the get-go. So I, I the Rams, I, I love the way they're coming in. I think that's a huge confidence builder against the Cardinals. This game's in L.A., which I don't think will have a ton to do with things, knowing they both play on the West Coast. But I, all, a lot of the Seahawks' holes that Russell Wilson covered up over the years have finally been exposed. I think this is a tricky game for me to pick because I'm tempted to go with Seattle because... There's no pressure. Russell Wilson's going to come out and ball. And, but here's the thing. I just don't think the Seattle offensive line can stop the Rams' pass rush right now. And, and I don't think the Seahawks' secondary can stop the Rams' offensive attack. Right. So I mean, Who's, who's going to guard Cooper Cup? They're not going to no, stop. No, I don't know if anyone can guard Cooper Cup right now, Alex. <laughs> and the only guy might be on their team in Jalen Ramsey. Right. So, I mean. Those, I'll say that those practices must be fun to watch. Ramsey versus Cup. I, I, I can only imagine. Uh, I mean, I, I think we're both going to go with the Rams here to to go go higher up and possibly, you know, if the, if the Cardinals are able, not able to put things together at the end of this, end of this week, do they have a chance in, uh, in the NFC, uh, in the NFC West to win that division? It's one game. Uh, they're only a game back. I would have to look at the tiebreaker uh, some more. But... No, I don't think it's oh, I don't think it's over. You look at, you know, the Cardinals, they do play Dallas. You know, I think, you know, they play Detroit, they play Indy, which I think they'll win, but that'll be a tough game. But then they play Dallas and then Seattle. Between Indianapolis and Dallas, they could easily lose one of the at least one of those games. So yeah. I think this division is by far and away not over. Right. So as you said, it's so close and uh, an- an- another great battle to watch. So now, Sunday Night Football, New Orleans Saints taking on the Timber Bay Buccaneers. I'm going with the Bucs. Saints, yeah, they got a nice win against the Jets last week, as we kind of talked about. You said a nice win against the Jets? Sounds like an oxymoron. (laughs) Well, I did talk about, you know, the Jets have been that team that's like the get-right game for their opponents, and that's, I think, what we saw from New Orleans. Previously, they had, I think, lost five straight. I, you look at they're six and seven, so they're still in it. But I, I, they're not winning. I don't see them stopping Tom Brady. I don't see them competing with this high-powered Bucks team. Uh, Taysom Hill. I, I think the Bucks are going to be able to force some turnovers. You look at the strength of the Saints team has been running the ball. Well, when the strength of the Bucks team has been stopping the run, I know last week you could say that changed a bit. I think it was mainly because Tampa was daring the Bills to run the ball, and that was just their game plan. Against the Saints, I think their game plan will be stop the run, which we know they're one of, if not the best teams at that. Right, and I'm willing to say that the Bucks are the best team in the league at this point. 
I you really, can never go wrong with Brady. I don't know if they have the best all-around team. I think that might belong to the Patriots or Packers, but I think Tom Brady kind of pushes them over that edge. Yeah, I I think this defense can still come to, uh, to where it was This last. front seven is still prolific. Elite. And I think that will help that secondary. I think I know they're struggling a little bit right now, but I, I still believe that they can come back to how they were playing last season. So I think we're both going to go We're both picking the, Bucks. the Buccaneers to uh, continue rolling and fighting with the Packers and Cardinals for that one seed in the NFC and the one and only bye. So we'll wrap up the week with Vikings-Bears. I'm going to pick the Vikings, but in Chicago, Monday night, the way just Justin Fields, that was not an easy game against Green Bay. I know they lost. I know you know they lost, 40, I believe, 45-30, to 30, and he definitely made some errors along the way. But I really like the way Justin Fields has progressed this year. Tough environment in Lambeau Field last week, and he held up his own. Through the first half, he was really toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so I really like the way Fields has progressed. It's a, always tough to play in Chicago, especially Minnesota. They're used to playing in that dome over the last few years since they got the new stadium. We also know Kirk Cousins, not always the best quarterback in primetime games, although he played well last week, I thought. I'm going to go with the Vikings, but I really think this is going to be such a tight game. It's going to come down to the fourth quarter, like it always does with the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm going to go with Minnesota, but the way Fields has been playing in the game Monday night in Chicago, it's going to be a tough game that Minnesota will really have to grind out. Let's let's look at something, Alex. And Minnesota, I would just say... They're right now the out on the outside looking in, but seven teams make the playoffs in each conference. In the NFC, they have the eight seeds. They're right on the fringe. So this is a huge game for them. Minnesota won last week because Pittsburgh was... I Couldn't I, stop the they run. Couldn't stop the run. They, they were... And then it was 2 0 2 eight. That was the worst the run defense I've ever seen watching football and a half. And that was only... And that was less than a week after you saw the Bills against the Patriots. Exactly. I mean, it, it it was the Vikings won that game because Pittsburgh handed it to them. I don't think it will be the same way going into Chicago. And I, I know Justin Fields had his ups and his downs, but I think against a, a Minnesota secondary, which got eaten alive, frankly, by Ben Roethlisberger in the second half, despite the fact that he was constantly getting hit, uh can give up enough plays for Justin Fields to get something going, and I like Chicago here. Yeah, I really do think this is a coin flip. I think it's going to be a very competitive... I think it'll be low scoring, but it's going to be a competitive, good football game on Monday night to finish up the week. So that's going to do it for this edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. A lot to talk about, a lot of big storylines as we near closer and closer to the playoffs. A lot of drama in these final few weeks. As as I kind of said at the top of the hour... I really can't remember the last time we've had such parity across the league in both conferences. It really should be an exciting final few weeks as we enter January football and the playoffs. So that's going to do it for this edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. We'll see you next time.